This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, top of the day to all of you. I should say writing and publishing day to all of you. Um, We have so many things we're going to cover on this fabulous episode of Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. And I have one of my favorite guests returning, but more on her later. Throughout the show, both she and I will share ahas, insights, and hot tips to enhance and support your book publishing journey. My goal is always to support you and your book success. And reminder, if you're on Twitter, do connect with me on my, at my book shepherd. And if on Facebook, why not join the Judith Bryles book publishing group to share any news you have, ask any questions, even put up a funny once in a while. And you can always email me directly at Judith at Daily, I like to post throughout my social media world a favorite quote from my book, Snappy, Sassy, Salty Success for Authors and Writers. Today's quote is, don't write, the fish are in the pond. Instead, write how the sun glistens on their spotted backs, how the setting sun creates shadows darkening the brilliant tangerine and salmon colors, how the scales shimmer as they effortlessly glide through the lily pads, how they dash between the algae and the pellets, filling their mouths until the next offering is dropped into the water. When you do, you've shown the reader a world, not a word, or a nondescript phrase. And that really ties in exactly with where we're going today. With me back again for I don't know how many times is the awesome, brilliant writer of the Milford Haven series, Mara Pearl. Today we're going to be focusing on crystal clear characters. How do you bring them alive in their heart, in their head? How do you create those unbelievable distinctions that has the reader gobbling up every word you put out. How do you create the page turner of your dream? Mara knows how to do it as an actress, as an author, as a narrator, as a brilliant audiobook producer, and so much more. Mara, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Judith. So much fun to be with you, as always. I know, we get to play for another <laughs> hour. Yeah. <laughs> I love your fish that. descriptions. I love your quote for the day. Yeah, you, you know how that happened. Um, one of, I, I won't say the name, but one of our authors who was over and just said, can I come in your backyard and write? You know, <laughs> that happens sometimes. Can mm-hmm. I just come back in the backyard and I can look at the pond and I can do this? And I was sitting out there with him and he was just stuck, stuck. So I said, you know, get up and walk. let's walk over to the pond. And I said, tell me, tell me, Courtney, what you see. I see the fish in the pond. That's how that started. I said, 
but wait a minute. What about that glimmering tangerine color that's slipping through? And, you know, we started in on that. Um, and it's it's so important to engage the author. And, and that's why, Mara, I get going, and I know you're going to kiss on this. Um, I know how important it is to understand the power of using one, two, gosh, maybe you can get them all in a paragraph, the, the, those five critical senses that we have. Yeah, that's so uh, true. And, you know, your story reminds me of an experience I had So, as you know, I write a series that's set on the West Coast. Well, one of the things that happens on the West Coast is that you see the sun set over the water. Mm -hmm. And so, in each book, there's bound to be a sunset. So, how many times, you know, have I written about a sunset? Well, the thing is, each sunset really is distinct, and Mm -hmm. it needs to be fresh. So, one day, I thought, okay... Today, I'm going to watch the sunset here at the ocean, and I'm going to come up with a metaphor I've never come up with before. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Cambria, the little, the real town mm-hmm. upon which mm-hmm. my fictional one is loosely based. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm at the shore, and nothing is coming. And the sun is sinking, and it's getting more and more beautiful, and still I can't really think of anything that I haven't written before. Now it's getting chilly. I go back to the car. I put on my fleece. I am not leaving there until I get a fresh (laughs) metaphor. (laughs) And I sat there until it was pitch black. But every moment of the sunset had registered, and I just kept waiting patiently until I got the new metaphor that I needed. I finally got it and left with just jubilation. Mm-hmm. And really, though, that's my job, you know. It it it, it, it is takes. our job. That it yeah. is our job to do that. And I know, um, as a aficionado of sunrises and sunsets, <laughs> myself, <laughs> <laughs> there are really distinct colors that also surface. So now we're we're in the visual sense yeah. where you have these different. Uh, brilliant colors, but different shades of the orange and the purples and things versus what happens with the the sun setting. A whole same colors, but different hues come forward on on how they drop in on that. And it always seems to me that when the the sun rising, and I'm I'm a sunrise girl, everybody. I'm a sun, sun, morning time is my time. And that what we do, especially as we come into the fall, the glorious sunrises I get treated to in the morning, you know, and I'm up before it's dark still. So I just kind of like, it's like you, okay, I'm going to hear, I'm watching, I'm waiting. Okay, come on. My show is ready to come. And, um, and I have my phone because once in a while I just snap that amazing gem, maybe Uh with a a twig leaf and especially as the leaves start to fall. Because it, it, it's a whole new world that drops in. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And and that's what everyone, Mara and I, are talking about. How do you bring it in? Because one of the challenges I have, Mara, working with authors, especially if they come from a more um, professional, academic-type world, is their writing is frequently just downright boring. It's boring. 
um, because they're so tuned in to having the, the fact, the factual that they have to tell you all this stuff and they forgot about the emotional engagement. Mm. Which is so important for every reader. It, it, well, for most of us, I think it's critical. Critical. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about creating what you call the three C's, crystal clear characters. Where do we start? Well, first I want to mention I'm a fiction person. You're a nonfiction person. Right. A lot of what we're going to talk about today really does apply to both. If you're Absolutely. writing nonfiction, then you likely are writing memoir or a business book or you're interviewing people. And these ideas we're going to share today about color and about personality will enhance the questions you ask your interviewees, the way you write about them, how you see people. It actually has to do with our own perceptions. We sharpen our perceptions, and then we can bring these into our writing. And of course, if you're writing fiction, as I do, then it's very important to differentiate characters from one another. They need to have different kinds of reactions. They need to have different likes and dislikes. Otherwise, you have very little tension and drama and interest. So I like to talk about head and heart. And I think today I want to start from heart because we're talking about instinct, intuition, and first impressions. And that has so much to do with color. You know, if there's a reason, for example, that when people are doing road work, they use orange cones and orange signs. Orange is one of those colors that has been identified to grab attention. So you might want to use that for a character or a scene or something that happens in your book. So there are primary colors, which we might remember back from when we were working with crayons when we were little kids. It's really kind of good to go back to those basics. So the primaries are blue and red and yellow. So what does blue mean? It tends to be a color that's true blue. It's about trustworthiness. Maybe you have a character who's a police officer. Well, when he's in uniform, he's in blue because he's true blue. He's representing the law. He's representing the sense of order in society. He might also just be that kind of guy whether he's at work or not. And so maybe he wears blue jeans. Maybe he drives a navy blue car. You know, there are ways you can bring that color in. And then mm -hmm. maybe you have a character who's passionate and flashy and extroverted, and they love to wear red. So, you know, she comes into the room and everybody notices her. She's flashy. She's dynamic. Now, that red could end up once again, in other ways, it could be a scarf she wears. It could be the folder she brings to a business meeting. It could be the color of her car. And then yellow typically oh, you, is, you know, cheerful and hopeful. 
right, let's hold on yellow. Let's hold on the yellow. We're going to take our first break because I like that cheerful. <laughs> yeah. I love yellow. Yeah, I, have, yeah, I have to tell you, one of these days I'm going to have a brilliant orange book cover. I, you mm. know, I love that. I love that. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorUse, the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms. And it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book... If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And with me is my fabulous guest, Mara Pearl, and we are talking about bringing your writing alive. You know, I, I can see John Travolta with his hand up right now when I say that, bringing it <laughs> alive and the BGs behind it and all that, um, because it's color does it. So as we moved into the break, she was opening up about you know when we kissed on orange and we kissed on flashy red, but now we're going into yummy yellow so let's come back to that mara well yellow i i love that color i know and i'm not sure there is a color i don't love but for example i have a character named sally who runs a little diner in my Mm -hmm. little town of milford haven Mm -hmm. and everything about sally is yellow she has yellow hair she has a yellow car everything Mm -hmm. is is cheerful and Everyone feels that when they go into her restaurant. So even if she's having a bad day, there's just something, a core value about her that she's a positive person. She's an optimist. She believes in the inherent goodness of people. And one of the ways I bring that out in her is to show her surrounded by this lovely color. 
Well, and and you know what? I remember reading about her with the yellow on that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So then we can go into the secondary colors, which are green and orange and purple. And each one of these is so vital. I mean, green is vitality itself. It's the color of growth. And so my protagonist, for example, is an environmentalist. She's a painter. She's involved with color professionally. But one of her core values is believing in the positive energy of the earth. She's an environmentalist. She paints wildlife. She spends quite a bit of time outside. And so green is her favorite color and kind of her core color. And I really don't have to hit the reader over the head with this, but I can throw in things like a dark green sofa or a lovely potted plant in the corner. Uh, it's, mm. it's present. I'm stimulating the reader's sense of sight with these colors and always doing it mindfully so it connects properly with the characters. Now, orange, I mentioned, it can be a warning color, and it can be an extreme confidence color. It's so vibrant. It's the color of the sun several times a day. It's... Um, you know, a beautiful color in flowers, It's um, there's a vibrancy about it, and there's a strength about it. So I think you wouldn't use it for a weak character. And then purple is so important. It's fascinating historically. It is traditionally the color of royalty. It was more expensive to create dyes that would hold this beautiful purple color, and so it was used for royalty, and it has also always meant it has a very sort of high spiritual vibration. So when you're writing about a very evolved character, a mentor, a teacher, something like that, you would use purple. Mm. Well, as you know, it's my fave. Oh, yes. And it suits you so, so well, doesn't it? And your your big role in life, being a mentor and being a teacher, you know, it's perfect. And then you often pair it with green, which is that growth and vitality. I mean, symbolically, you're just right on. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's, you know, remember the, uh, it was a trend for a long time. And uh, people don't talk about it as much, but even... Finding the colors that are right for you, your personality, for your coloring, your skin coloring, yeah, um, and all that. And I, you know, I used to love uh, the uh, I love fall time, you know, the autumn colors and all that. But in most cases, they look pretty horrible on me with my skin tone. They don't they don't vibrate. I I am the purple, that bold purple uh, color, the lime greens that you know that aqua. That turquoise comes in. And and I think it's really important. And I think, you know, that what you're doing is that integrating that now into your writing and your characters. And um, and I think it's essential. I think it's essential. You know, what's so, really fun is to do an in-depth color profile for mm-hmm. each character. I mean, along the way, of course, you can do it for yourself. 
But, mm-hmm. for example, I found a color personality test, and it has some great questions. So things like, what do I most value? Am I imaginative? In what things do I take pride? What are the things that stress me the most? And you can Google these things and see what comes up. There's also, um, let's see, I found the color of my personality And you Mm -hmm. take this test, and it talks about combinations of colors. Mm -hmm. So what does blue and purple mean? What does Mm -hmm. gray and purple mean? What does Mm -hmm. gray and crimson mean? It's quite interesting, and I think people would, you know, get something out of working their way through these. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, and now for the author, now we're talking about the writer incorporating in, and you're so right, um, as as a nonfiction writer, which is what I am for my own personal writing, um, although I'm working closely with a couple of authors on almost ghosting their books on the fiction side, bringing that alive in there, you know, what but colors and, and that kind of thing. And now you're, and you're making me really think we need to go back in and do some more descriptions with cloths and stuff like that and the clothing. And, and you know, even, some of it, yeah. you, you do this work even if you don't mention every single thing in the text. But you come to understand your characters better. And you were talking about that Color Me Mine program that people used to use. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. So what you do is find out whether you're an autumn or a spring or a summer, Mm -hmm. or a winter. Mm -hmm. And some of these have blue undertones, some have warm undertones, some of them are very clear, clear colors, like spring and winter. Mm -hmm. And some of them are muted, blended colors, like autumn and summer. And again, you can relate these to the personalities of your characters. Someone who has trouble expressing themselves very clearly, for example, they're Mm -hmm. more muted. And that could match where they are in their color profile. Or you have somebody who's very sharp and clear in how she speaks. And you might say she's a winter. I mean, when you look at a winter landscape, it's stark white, dark black, maybe some very dark green. You know, it's vivid with high contrast and sharp and clear. And you can think about that in terms of the personality of the character. Yeah, and I think then what you've done is start the emotional engagement. I'm going to go back to using that word emotional. Yeah. Uh, and bringing people into your writing that sets the stage. This is the stage setting. I mean, Mara, you come from the stage. It's setting yeah. the scene. Um, I, I am always someone that dissects when I'm in the theater. I start the dissection of what I see and what I go through. and Absolutely. And I, I relish yeah. it. You know, think how carefully the costume designer, the set designer works to bring in exactly the right colors for every moment and every character. And, of course, within each color, you've got variations of intensity. They can express mood, and you can have harmonious colors. You can also put colors into tremendous conflict, and that can underscore what's going on emotionally. Oh, the gypsy side of it. Love it. (laughs) now you know i go even farther and i get myself 
an array of as many colors of sticky notes as I can, and uh-huh. I assign a color to each character based uh-huh. on their color profile. Uh-huh. And then as I'm outlining my book, I'm using these. And I can see at a glance that, oh, there's no red over here. I better bring some in. Or I've got too much yellow over here, you know, which rebalance the flow of the story. And it and it does. It rebalances. Or you, if you want conflict, it out of balances it. You can yep. you can do um, bring disharmony in. All right. So, uh, what other colors would we? I mean, we talked about purple as the royal. Um, if if someone could could you also use that for someone who is maybe egocentric? They think too much of themselves. Would they would be would they be a purple type of person? I believe so. I mean, when you think of a monarch, mm-hmm. you've got sort of two kinds of archetypes for the monarch. You have the benevolent, who is thinking about the people and the general good, and then you have the other kind of monarch, the malevolent, who just loves throwing their power around and thinks very highly of themselves. Mm-hmm. So yes, purple would certainly work for that. Mm-hmm. All right. So how do we then um, um, moving in start that in incorporation? That is it. Just clothing. I mean, we've talked about clothing, but what else would we play with? Well, the the decor of a home or an office. You know, let's say you have a scene and it's a CEO and it's a and let's say it's a an oil company, and uh, everything looks very, very sleek and polished and expensive. And so, but it also may be muted colors, so that it's grays and browns, so that it has this professional look. Or you might have an office that's nothing but blacks and silvers, just kind of icy cold. You can, I mentioned cars, you can have objects that are present or objects that are in memory. Somebody might remember a little red box from their childhood, a toy box, you know, or a a favorite green bowl that they remember Mm. in their mother's kitchen. Mm. So you can bring those in. You can accessorize so the kind of bag that somebody carries or the color of a tie or a scarf so it isn't just the jacket or the pants or the skirt it's you know it's what they carry i have a character who has a collection of scarves so every time we see her she's got on one of these scarves these wild scarves yeah yeah it, it says something about her it says something that she takes the time to look for these to coordinate them with her clothes you know Mm-hmm. Um, Got it. All right. So we're going to take another break here. But I, I think this is really important for all of you to understand the power of the color in your writing. And we're going to we're going to further assessorize. How do you like that one, Mara? <laughs> assessorize your writing when we come back so that you can create these clister crystal clear characters.
is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Oh, off the air, I have to tell all of you, I was telling Mara's story about my previous house, and I lived in a community that everything was beige, 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 all 80 houses were beige, and somehow I got through the homeowners that I needed something different, really different, and we had the house with the ponds and all those kind of things, and um, I got in this kind of teal green, blue, the blue green, and I had cream color framing and all that. And they approved it. And then once it went up, they they offered me $4,500 to repaint it beige. Um, and I said, no, Gosh. you approved it. I'm, I'm hanging with this. I, you know, I like it. And the one day someone came, you know, a new person um, that um, to, to meet me. And th- when I opened the door, she says, well, I can tell who the creative on the street is. And, <laughs> and, and it just, you know, so it made me laugh just like that. Yeah. Um, um, to, to allow yourself to be bold and different, or at least if you're in an environment and I, and Mara, I, you know, we're now living in such a monotone of everything gray. Now, everywhere I go, it's gray, 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 from the floors to the walls, to the ceiling, to the furniture. And I'm going, Oh, please give me some color yeah. on it. And I understand the new, that gray is the new beige. Is that correct? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm not a gray person. Uh, so So I just wanted to mention um, before we move on to the other topic for today um, some color resources that people can find Mm -hmm. Um, Canva is you know a great website that Judith and I use and recommend and within Canva you can look for uh, they have a learning section and they have color meanings and symbolism Mm-hmm. There is a good search to use is color meanings, and you'll find, you know, lots of resources. So I was saying that we started with heart, and it's that first impression. And so now we could move on to, you know, what I call head, which is the second impression. This is where our analytical side 
come to play. And here, I think Myers-Briggs is this terrific tool. It's the Myers-Briggs personality type test. And it was developed uh, during World War II when most of the men were away at war and the women who were left at home had to take all of their jobs. And so this was developed to help women find out what their skill set might translate best into. So there are four categories, or let's say four kind of like balance points that you can work with. One of them is extrovert versus introvert. And that's pretty simple to understand. And you can ask yourself, do I get energy from being with people? Do I get energy from being by myself? I think for me, personally, I'm just about even. Mm -hmm. Me too, actually. Um, You know, because my introvert self I'm very happy spending a lot of time alone doing my writing. But then I have an extrovert self as well, where I perform and speak and really enjoy being with other people. Mm -hmm. But most people lean at least a little bit toward one way or the other. And of course, they're both terrific. It's not like good and bad. Mm -hmm. It's just identifying what works best for you. So then there's another type indicator, which is sensor versus intuitive. Mm. And this has to do with the kind of information that we naturally notice. So a sensor will trust what is certain and concrete. They They value realism and common sense. They like to use established skills. They tend to be very specific and literal and give detailed descriptions. They present information in a very step-by-step manner, and they're oriented toward the present. Okay, now opposite that is the intuitive, who trusts inspiration and inference. They value imagination and innovation. They like to try new skills. They tend to be figurative and use metaphors. Um, They present information through leaps and sometimes in a roundabout way. And they tend to be oriented toward the future. Mm. So now, isn't that interesting? Let's say you have, let's say you have two characters who are both detectives and they're partners. Mm -hmm. And so they have a case in front of them and one of them is an intuitive and one of them Mm -hmm. is a sensor. Mm -hmm. It could be some fun writing, you could bring some humor in that way, you could bring conflict in that way, you could also make them a very effective team, because between the two of them, they don't really miss anything. Very fun, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Then, the third one is thinkers versus feelers, and this has to do with how do we make decisions. So, a feeler would let's say, consider the effect of their actions on other people. They, they tend to step forward. A thinker tends to step back and be analytical towards problems. 
the thinker will value logic, where the feeler will value empathy and harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, the thinker believes feelings are only valid if they're logical, but the feeler believes any feeling is valid, whether it actually makes sense or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, here's an example. <laughs> My husband and I were traveling and we had reservations at a certain hotel, but when we got there, there was a barrier across the entrance, and a person came forward and said, the hotel is closed. And we said, but we have reservations here. And he said, sorry, it's closed. So my husband tends to be a thinker. He gets on the phone, starts calling the company to figure out what to do. I tend to be a feeler and intuitive. And I said, I think we should go to the adjacent hotel. He said, that makes no sense. (laughs) I said, I know, but I have a strong feeling that's what we should do. So he stayed on the phone, still trying to solve the problem his way, but we did drive to the adjacent hotel. I walked to the front desk. Sure enough, they had our reservation. Made no sense, but I had a strong feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a fun thing to put in a story, right? <laughs> that's a it, very fun thing to put in yeah, a story. Yeah, I mean, it shows very two very distinct approaches to a problem. And in this case, it's a good partnership because if we can't solve the problem one way, we solve it the other way. Exactly. Very interesting. So then the last one is judgers and perceivers. So a judger is happy when the decision's been made. The perceiver is happy when they keep their options open. The judger sees time as a finite resource and really takes deadlines seriously. The perceiver sees time as a renewable resource and deadlines, well, they're elastic. (laughs) So here's another funny story for you. My friend Aaron and I were going to share a place for about six months, quite a few years ago. So I brought my box of spices to this place where she had already moved in. And so I said, where did the spices go? And she said, there or there or there. And I was very confused by this. And I'm still holding my box and I said, but, but, but where do they go? <laughs> And we realized that although we're very similar in a lot of ways, in this regard, we were quite different. So I put down the box, and I asked her, I said, talk to me about your spices and why. She said, well, I like to feel like I have options. So if I can't find them here, there are two other places I can look. And for me, I want to know exactly where the spices are. Not only that, I want them alphabetized. So when I'm cooking my eggs, I can reach for the dill right now. So again, you and I are so much alike. <laughs> you and I have the same spice drawers. I know. I know. <laughs> but you know, it's so interesting. I mean, her way works for her. My way yeah. works for me. And again, you can bring that in for either a point of humor or conflict or both in something that you're writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that can create also chaos, which also is fun. 
uh, yep. uh, to, to bring in. I mean, you know, going back to the spice thing, you know, I have that drawer. I have an alphabetical. I have all these different sizes. I pu- I've had people come to my house actually knowing where that drawer is. They just want to pull it out and look at it. It's the damnedest thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have a door with all those big, you know, the bigger things they, uh-huh. that go on. And they're also in a collective thing. But as you know, I'm a cook and I want to know exactly where to go when I am really moving um, yeah. on stuff yeah. to think that I might have to look at, wait a minute, did I put it in this drawer or this cover? That would be so um, uncreative to me. To me too. Um, but but Aaron's a really good cook too. So yeah. it just shows you, this is what I mean. If you do this work with each character and you develop this profile, <clears throat> what you do with, Myers-Briggs is each one of these has an initial mm-hmm. and so you end up with these groupings of four initials mm-hmm. and so you have a character who's an INSP or mm-hmm. uh, ESTJ mm-hmm. and what you do is make sure that you don't have any two characters with exactly the same profile. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it's boring. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to bring in that variety. Now mm-hmm. you do this with the head part of the work and then you pair this with the heart part of the work with the colors, you are going to have a vibrant set of characters that people just can't put the book down. They just have to hear what these people are going to do next. Mm-hmm. And and some of these people, as you go with your initials, like I remember taking the Myers-Briggs a gazillion years ago. I'm talking decades ago initially. And I, I think it pretty much, I mean, I, uh, you know, you know, I'm a strong E. <laughs> a strong E. Really? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, and, and the EI, and then I'm absolutely across between the T and F, the thinking and feeling very, you know, I'll think something, but then I go with the feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then judging comes in high. Um, yeah. Although after I had my accident, judging went down. Um, yeah. So I, I think that it, we all have those. But when you what, what Mara's talking about, we're going to take our final break here. But Mara's talking about when you combine these colors um, and then with these perceptions of what they, these these traits are, you have a much stronger, interesting character. And that's what's hot. We're going to be yeah. right back. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. 
You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success. A bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The Book Shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book. A book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author. Your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me today is Mara Pearl, and we are talking about really the power of writing to make your writing memorable, chewy. I, I love the word chewy, that people can really kind of stop and pause and nibble on it and gulp it down and all those things that I love to do when I come across really a wonderful writer, uh, when my eyeballs do not want to leave the page because I'm loving what I'm seeing in front of me. Mara, do you have those kind of days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love I love that. So we're talking about bringing your your writing alive, bringing it memorable, bringing it into the page page turner. Um, and, we, and we can't leave without, you know, mentioning some of Mars books. And, and she's known for her heart series, When the Heart Listens, When the Heart, you know, what, what's all the names now? Because you're working on the next one in the series, correct? Yes, I am. So the prequel is When the Heart Listens. And then the first novel is What the Heart Knows. The second mm-hmm. is Where the Heart Lives. And the one I'm working on now is Why Hearts Keep Secrets. Oh, secrets. Love that. Mm-hmm. And you can, yeah, you can find out more about Mara on her website, Mara Pearl, M-A-R-A-P-U-R-L.com, and have fun and explore it. And do sign up for her newsletter. She, wins, she writes a wonderful newsletter that comes out monthly. And she is a, a traveler, a collector, a voyeur of lighthouses. So they're always in her books. So with that said, back to color. Back to perceptions, back to feelings, thinking, judging, extroverts, introverts, and how do we bring it all together, Mara? Well, one thing I wanted to mention is these elements need to come from within the character. They need to emanate 
from the characters authentically rather than being things we just sort of heap on top of them. You don't want to go through your characters and arbitrarily say, well, this one likes tea and that one likes flip-flops. You know, it needs to, whatever the quirks are of your characters, that's why I've been recommending do an actual profile. Do a color profile and then do a personality profile for each of your characters so that they're rooted and grounded in authenticity. And so when you do that, now you're going to put your characters in motion in a story. Once again, we come to the eternal question, is your book going to be plot-driven or is it going to be character-driven? There isn't a right or wrong answer, and there are plenty of good stories that are really focused on plot. There are some good page-turners and adventure stories that you don't find out too much about the characters, really, but boy, it's exciting because the plot is moving along quickly. In my particular case, my prejudice or my style is, to me, it all comes from the characters. And if you're that kind of writer and you believe in that, then let the plot points come right out of the characters. You know your characters so well that you know their quirks, you know their personalities, you know whether they're an introvert or an extrovert, you know whether or not they'd be seen dead wearing a red shirt. You know them so well, now you start to write them. You don't even have to think about it much. The character will tell you where they're going, what they want, and what they want to do. I know that sounds really bizarre, but it's the truth and I can point you to many, many authors who, who would agree with me. Mm-hmm. So where do we take it? What do we do? What's our next so, step? Let's say you, I don't know if you've read or watched the series called Virgin River. I just got through watching the latest episode, and I have to tell you, I got tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I know, you know, Robin Carr and all that. And I thought, I'm getting tired of this. I'm getting tired of this. What's going on here? Well, I think what's happening, I mean, this is just my perspective, mm-hmm. but Robin Carr yeah. is really one of my favorite authors. Uh, she's a marvelous writer. And I read her series, Virgin River, quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, quite mm-hmm. a while before it ever became a television show. Mm-hmm. She is somebody who's very, very true to her characters. So Mm -hmm. Jack, for example, one of her protagonists, Mm -hmm. he's a veteran. He has Mm -hmm. moved to this beautiful little town. Mm -hmm. He doesn't mind being alone. He's a Mm -hmm. rugged individualist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He builds a bar. It becomes the center of this little town. Mm -hmm. He's there for other people. His bar and, is Cheers. It's Cheers. It's the yeah, the, yeah. yeah. The old, Everybody yeah. comes into this bar, and if anybody in town has a problem, Jack is there for mm-hmm. them. That's just mm-hmm. you know, that's who he is. Um, it made it very, very strong in the books, and then this woman who's had a a disaster in her own life. Her husband has been killed. Um, her baby died. 
there's sort of nothing left for her in the big city. And she takes a job in this little town, but when she gets there, the disasters continue because the beautiful bed and breakfast where she's supposed to stay, well, it's full of spiders and rats and the porch is falling down and it's unacceptable and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you're drawn into this story. And um, the first book has a beginning, middle, and end. But you do also meet other characters, and you want to find out what happens to them, which is why you read book two. Now, when they moved it to television, they uh, disassembled the original books Mm. and started messing around with this notion that, well, we have to have, quote, unquote, something happen every episode. Mm -hmm. And... I'm sorry to say, I think they're kind of ruining it in the process. Because Jack is no longer acting like Jack. Mel is no longer acting like Mel. Yeah. And so, here's the thing. You can get yourself in trouble by wandering away from the core values of your characters. And on the other hand, you can repair and restore a good story by coming back to wait a minute, let me look honestly at this. Would Jack do this? And if he wouldn't, then even it was even if it was a fun plot point for you, it comes out, it goes in the trash, you don't use it because it isn't true to that character. I'm actually yeah, I think your audience on, on is going to know. Yeah. I think readers are smarter than what they're given credit for. Even if they can't analyze exactly what's wrong, they just know something's off. So you know, it's like taking maybe, your car in for a retuning, this is how you do it. You go back, it back to your get character it back on profile. Track. Yeah, get it back yeah. on track. The uh, so maybe along with um, I, I'm going to add. You know, I was adding the I had the four C's. I had the crystal clear characters with color. I think it's the five C's crystal clear characters with color and core values. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I just yeah. had a fifth, a fifth C in Mara, um, yeah. that, that you revisit. And I, I think for all of you who are writing, whether again, it's fiction or nonfiction, you really need to know whatever your storylines you're using. And when, for a nonfiction writer, we usually have short vignettes to set up a, a stage, a point that we're going to go into about whatever we're talking about in that chapter. And rarely is are those characters carried throughout unless you're doing a parable or something. Um, but in in your fiction, that that those characters are throughout. But I think it's really important to understand what those core values are so you stay focused and you stay on track. And if you it's get absolutely, get a, this is it. I mean, and you know, writing is hard, and we have to sometimes admit we can get into trouble. We can get two hundred pages into something and realize, well, somewhere or other, I went off the track. What am I going to do? So this is a great technique for all of you writers to remember. This mm-hmm. is how you retune things and bring it back so that it really sings. Your work matters. You're bringing out elements of truth that are going to touch and move and inspire people in their lives. 
So you can't be arbitrary about it or just say, eh, I'm going to throw in something just for the heck of it. No, let it come out of the core values. And you may have three different characters who have three different core values. Well, that's great. There's your conflict. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll bring it all in. And and that, anyway, when we were talking about Virgin River, I saw that happen in this this season. I, yeah. I saw someone... I, I don't know if Robin Carr is involved in it, but it needs to be reeled back in. That fishing reel needs to bring it back in to who Mill and Jack truly are. Yeah. Uh, with that. All right. But we digress. All right, Mara, we have one minute <laughs> left before we wrap here. Um, any well, other we just touched wisdom? on it. We've got yeah. core values. And core values, that sounds good, but how do we get at them? Mm. And we get at them by really drilling down. And so today we gave writers two ways of doing it. One is the head way with that analytical Myers-Briggs approach. The other is the heart way with that intuitive first impression color way. Mm -hmm. Use them both. Use head and heart. And you really, you cannot fail. You're going to have extraordinary characters. Ah, I love this. Fabulous. I will actually be listening to this one over again because I think this is one of the things like some of the books that I reread every year or two just to re reroute me on what I'm doing and where I'm going. Mara Pearl, thank you so much for being with us one more time on Author You, Your Guide to Thank you so much, Judith. Love it. All right, everyone, have a great, great writing week using some of these amazing, awesome tips. It will make you better and memorable. We'll see you next week. for being a part of your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith brile